For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I recap all eight head coaching hires and discuss the implications of each move. I will also share which teams I think are destined for immediate success in 2019. Matt LaFleur knows expectations are very high for the Packers, but he plans to implement a system that will bring another Lombardi trophy back to Green Bay. My philosophy is, is really to lead, teach, and inspire not only our football team, but, but everybody in this building. And uh, we are going to be process-driven. And we are going to be process-driven in the pursuit of bringing a Lombardi trophy back here to Green Bay. Bruce Arians returned to coaching after a year off and will now look to make the Buccaneers contenders in the NFC South. While there has been a lot of talk about the team's defensive alignment under Todd Bowles, Arians reiterated that they will commit to a system that tailors to their players' strengths. Defensively, uh, injuries. You know, a lot of young guys in the secondary, I think, have really good players. And uh, like I said, with Todd, we'll say 3-4, we'll say 4 them. We're going to do what our players do best. We're going to put them in positions to win. The Browns interviewed a bevy of candidates before promoting Freddie Kitchens to head coach. Many question the move, but Kitchens is grateful for the opportunity and doesn't pay attention to the negative feedback. It takes some um, guts to do what they did. All right? And I appreciate that. I won't let them down. And all you got to do is sit back and watch. All right, because I know that I'm not a popular choice. I understand that, and I don't care. I will discuss all of that and more coming up in the latest episode of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Live. Now, 
Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, January 23rd here on the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Isaac Signs coming to you live for a midweek edition. Now, since it is kind of an off week, I know there's the Pro Bowl going on in Orlando, Florida. And of course, the Senior Bowl that is scheduled to be played on Saturday. And I am going to get into that game and some of the top senior prospects in Friday's episode. But for today, what I wanted to cover was the eight new head coaching hires. Now, of course, six are official. The other two are not because those coaches, Zach Taylor and Brian Flores for the Patriots, are coaching in the Super Bowl. So those hirings are all but done but will not be officially announced until after the game on February 3rd. And so I had been really wanting to recap and give a brief episode on my thoughts about these hires. However, I got caught up in the playoffs and previewing those games. So now I kind of have a day to put this out there for you fans that are maybe wondering where I stand as far as the new head coaches in the National Football League. And so on that note, I'm going to go ahead and get into it here. So obviously, as I mentioned, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're expected to hire Rams quarterbacks coach Zach Taylor after the Super Bowl. And Brian Callahan, the Raiders quarterbacks coach, is expected to become the offensive coordinator there in Cincinnati. And there's been some rumblings about Jack Del Rio and John Fox, so two veteran defensive-minded coaches being possibilities to join Taylor there with the Bengals, although they have not reached an agreement with either candidate. And so for the Bengals, right, 6-10 season under Marvin Lewis, they started off hot. This was a team that many people said, wait a second, maybe there's something different about this Marvin Lewis-led football team. They were playing with confidence. Andy Dalton was putting together a stellar season after many people questioned his durability and his fit there as the long-term answer with the organization. However, they hit some rough patches down the road. A.J. Green ended up missing a lot of game action down the stretch due to a toe injury. Andy Dalton went down towards the end of the year with that hand injury. And so everything kind of just fell apart for the Cincinnati Bengals. And in result, they decided to part ways with Marvin Lewis for good. After last offseason, there was a lot of speculation about Marvin Lewis being let go there in Cincinnati. However, they brought him back on a two-year extension, which irked a lot of the Bengals fans and experts were critical of the Bengals' decision to continue employing Marvin Lewis considering his poor track record in the playoffs. Well, the Bengals fans have finally gotten their wish. They're getting a new head coach. Taylor, who's very young in his own right, comes from the Sean McVay tree. Taylor played collegiate football at the University of Nebraska After being the receivers coach for LA in 2017, he was the offensive coordinator for the University of Cincinnati in 2016. And 
that's a big reason why he was interested in this Bengals job because apparently he wanted to return to the city of Cincinnati after experiencing some good moments there. Fell in love with the atmosphere, the ambience. But going all the way back to Taylor's start as a coach, it was in 2012 as the Dolphins quarterbacks coach helping to develop Ryan Tannehill and then took over offensive coordinator duties during the 2015 season at one point. After spending a year with the Bearcats, he returned to the NFL. He's been under Sean McVay. And with Taylor overseeing Jared Goff, the Rams went 13-3 and ranked 5th in the NFL this season with 282 passing yards per game so clearly this is another team following that McVay blueprint where you're bringing in a young offensive mind he's got Andy Dalton to work with and at this point it seems that the team is committed to Andy Dalton I know Dalton really responded to some rumors swirling about the Bengals wanting to go in a different direction however he feels supported and I feel like bringing in a guy like Zach Taylor has something to do with that and helping Dalton continue his development as a viable starter in this league. Now this is going to be a very difficult task for Taylor as he's taking over a Bengals team that yes they have plenty of talent but there is some concern about the upside they have due to the number of aging veterans they have on their squad. I mean, other than A.J. Green, as far as skill positions, you got Joe Mixon, who had a strong season, and he solidified himself as one of the better running backs in the NFL. However, there are some questions about the Bengals' offensive line, right? They were able to hit on a couple of tackles. You had Bobby Hart, who played solid. Of course, Billy Price there at center, who is really an exceptional talent. got the strength, the explosiveness, and the leadership to carry that offensive line moving forward. Then you have defensive stalwarts in Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, who are both under contract for the next couple of seasons. You really don't know what you have. Avantes Burfict, as that report surfaced over the holidays, that his career is in jeopardy due to the significant amount of concussions he sustained in recent years. At corner, William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick. Obviously, they went the young route. Jesse Bates there at safety, parted ways with the Loca. So, yes, they have some pieces in place, but there is still a lot of work to be done in free agency and through the draft. And I think this is where a coordinator like Jack Del Rio, who is really well-respected in the NFL, can come in here, can take over a unit that showed some promise early on. And, of course, they really faltered, and that's what resulted in Terrell Austin being fired midseason after the Bengals were historically bad, allowing just chunk yards each and every single week. But make no mistake about it, a guy like Zach Taylor, they're hoping, really banking on the fact that he can come in and really rejuvenate this team that has been looking for a new direction for the longest time. So I'll be interested to see how that shapes up there for Cincinnati. And he sure has his work cut out for him, especially as he begins to take questions about the future of Andy Dalton and his thoughts on him moving forward. Now to the Miami Dolphins. This is Brian Flores. 
as expected, the Patriots' de facto defensive coordinator slash linebackers coach. Now, he wasn't officially given the title of defensive coordinator when Matt Patricia departed for the Lions' head coaching gig last offseason, but he did call the plays. You also have to remember that Bill Belichick still does have a pretty heavy emphasis in the defensive game plan. And as for Florida, it's the same thing. Since he's coaching the Super Bowl, he cannot officially take the job until after the game. Reported staff hirings at this time. We know Jim Caldwell is expected to join his staff. While his role isn't officially known, there's been some rumblings that he's expected to be the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. And then as of earlier this week, Patrick Graham, the run game coordinator from the Packers, he is slated to become Flores' defensive coordinator there in Miami. The Dolphins are coming off a 7-9 and season where they fired Adam Gase. I'll talk about him in a moment as he was able to land on his feet and find another head coaching gig in the same division. But the Dolphins, as far as landing their next head coach, they're plucking him from the AFC East He's a three-year letter-winning linebacker at Boston College, and Flores has worked for the Patriots since 2004, where he first broke into the organization in the personnel department as a scouting assistant, and eventually transitioned into coaching in 2008. He served in a variety of roles, defensive assistant, offensive assistant, special teams coach, safeties coach. And finally, his most recent position, linebackers coach. New England finished 7th in the NFL in points allowed per game with 20.3. And overall, one fact is clear. Flores has traveled a winding blue, red, and silver road to this point and has gained the experience necessary for a head coaching job. You know, the guys learned under Bill Belichick, and you know that can only be a positive influence learning how he functions as a leader of that franchise. And he's gotten a lot of positive reviews from multiple Patriots staffers. Chris Greer, who's now overseen the Dolphins' personnel decisions as the GM, he's been said to be very high on Flores from the moment they open up their coaching search. Flores was always the front runner. Of course, they gave some strong consideration to Cowboys pass game coordinator Chris Richard. In fact, Richard and Flores were the two finalists for the job until Flores eventually took the lead after his interview where they quote-unquote hit it off in that meeting and the Dolphins felt like, hey, this is a guy that we can bring in. We can restructure our organization. We weeded out a couple of executives that we don't believe should have a voice or say in the trajectory that we're aiming to reach here in Miami. And so Flores is the guy they ultimately decided on. And you know what? The players in New England are very high on Flores and the type of leader that he is for that defense. And if you watch the AFC Championship or just the playoffs in general, you ought to be pretty impressed with the package and schemes Flores has dialed up to slow down two of the most potent offenses in the NFL. First, it was Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. You saw that Patriots unit, who, by the way, doesn't have 
a ton of superstar talent. Yes, they have Stephon Gilmore, Dante Hightower, but he doesn't have the pieces, you know, like a Rams team or the Chicago Bears, what Vangio worked with this year. And so I think that's just a, a testament to the type of defensive mind he is. And he knows how to sure game plan for team strengths. He saw that against Kansas City in the AFC Championship game where he completely took away Mahomes' top targets in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill for much of the evening. And for a Dolphins team that really has been looking for some balance, I feel like their offensive coordinator moving forward is going to be pivotal. We know that they're going to move on from Ryan Tannehill this offseason, or at least that's the overwhelming belief. So you know Miami will be in the market for a quarterback, and there's a lot of buzz. Adam Schefter reported a couple weeks ago that the Dolphins are actually eyeing the 2020 NFL draft because they like the prospects that that class has to offer with Justin Herbert out of Oregon, Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama, and so that leads me to believe that maybe they're going to be in the mix for a guy like Joe Flacco, maybe a Tyrod Taylor, maybe a Nick Foles, a bridge quarterback. Now, of course, financials is a big part of that, but this is a team that's looking for some internal and external rebuilding, and they hope Flores can help them get the job done. Now we'll go to the first official hiring, which was the first of the entire coaching cycle this offseason. Matt LaFleur to the Green Bay Packers. Up to this point, he has retained Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator. They hired Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator, so he served in that same position with the Jaguars. He was fired midseason. The Packers are coming off a disappointing season, 6-9-1. Aaron Rodgers got paid that four-year $134 million extension. They threw him the money. There is a lot of expectation for Rodgers to lead this team into the postseason, which was a very young Green Bay roster this year. As you saw, Brian Gutenkunst was pretty quick to weed out some older players, really go heavy in the draft and focused on defense. And also at the wide receiver position, as you saw, Jordy Nelson was cut last March. And looks like Cobb is more than likely on his way out as well. They brought in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinamius St. Brown. So a lot of wideouts that Aaron Rodgers was working with, of course, to go with Devontae Adams, the pro bowler. LaFleur, he's 39 years old. He was an offensive coordinator under McVay. So you're going to hear a lot of Sean McVay in today's episode because a lot of these coaches worked under his direction now, going back to the 2017 season when LaFleur served as the offensive coordinator. Now, of course, McVay still called the plays, but the duo shined together in L.A. as they turned that offense around from last in scoring 14 points per game to first at 29.8 points per game. The rise in points led to double the amount of wins, taking LA from 4 and 12 in 2016 to 11 and 5 in 2017. As I just mentioned, LaFleur concluded his first year as a Titans offensive coordinator. Tennessee finished 9 and 7 and missed the playoffs. Ending the year, ranked 25th in total offense and 27th in scoring. Tennessee was 29th in passing with quarterback Marcus Mariota, but 7th in the league in rushing. Now the big question is, is how will he gel with Aaron Rodgers, who's a hard-headed, savvy veteran quarterback that we all saw him 
and Mike McCarthy's relationship clearly diminished over the last couple of years, which is a pretty big factor as to why Green Bay finally pulled the plug on their longest tenured head coach there, McCarthy. But I found it interesting because a couple of weeks ago when LaFleur was hired, he said at his press conference that as soon as he took the job, Aaron Rodgers called him and they discussed what it was going to be like, the pairing, the direction, the vision for the franchise moving forward. Again, this is a young guy and a lot of people were very critical of this move by Green Bay because they're saying, look, you're bringing an offensive coordinator that really didn't produce a top offense with the Tennessee Titans. Now, the proponents of LaFleur say, well, Mariota was hurt for a lot of the year and plus Mariota is not really the type of quarterback that he worked with with Jared Goff and now he's going to be with Aaron Rodgers where Both of those players are not even close to being on the same level as being efficient passers. We know Rodgers is one of the best in the NFL when it comes to flinging the rock. And so people just say, give the guy a chance. He's an offensive mind. He knows what it takes to fire on all cylinders, an offense that can be successful in the playoffs. And that's something that Green Bay, they certainly have bought into the idea He's another young coach, right? So they're hoping that he can bring a little bit of energy, a little bit of boost. And again, it's hard not to side with Green Bay's front office for bringing in such a young head coach because they have such a young roster. So, you know, the younger the coach is, we've all seen how LA has responded to McVay and how they play with the fire and passion. And so that is what Green Bay is hoping to replicate, of course, with Aaron Rodgers. So for me, I'm not sure what to expect from the floor. I almost get a gut feeling that it may not work out just because the floor seems like he's a guy that isn't really willing to put his foot down and what he wants to do. Now, of course, he didn't really have to be worried about that with a quarterback like Marcus Mariota, who's not as outspoken as a guy like Aaron Rodgers is. But I do wonder if Rodgers is going to dictate the outcome of their offensive plan or if LaFleur is going to be able to establish himself as the head honcho in that relationship and say, no, I have the final say. And so it's it's certainly going to be an intriguing storyline to monitor, especially in their first year working together. Because, you know, you compare it to the Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady dynamic. Those guys have a great relationship on and off the field. And while Brady is as fiery as they come, now 41 years old, McDaniels has also been known to hold his ground and say, hey, you don't have the authority to look down on my offensive game plan. So there is that mutual respect for one another. And I'm going to be curious to see if LaFleur and Rodgers can reach that point in their working relationship. Now to the next hiring in the coaching cycle. And I think this one was the most surprising of them all. Cliff Kingsbury to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, of course, this was an interesting development from the very beginning as Kingsbury, who was fired by Texas Tech and ended up accepting the job at USC as their offensive coordinator. And so things really had to go through a lot of red tape because from the initial period of the Jets and Cardinals head coaching searches, They were interested in Kingsbury all along, but because he was under contract for USC, 
Their athletic director initially declined the Jets and Cardinals request to meet with Kingsbury for their head coaching vacancies. And then a week and a half later, it was reported that he was going to resign from USC. So that way he would be able to explore NFL opportunities. And then eventually the USC athletic director said, you know what? Fine, we'll grant him permission to meet with NFL teams. And so, in fact, Kingsbury actually interviewed with the New York Jets first. And the following day, he hopped on a plane and went to Arizona and did not leave the facility until an agreement was met between both sides. Arizona identified Kingsbury as their top target from the very beginning, and they made sure that they were going to be able to land him over the New York Jets. So they put together that deal pretty quickly after firing Steve Wilkes after just one season. They went 3-13 in 2018. And this one almost caused an uproar from a lot of people because less than two months since he was fired in the college ranks, Kingsbury became an NFL head coach. Now Kingsbury, who's 39 years old, he went 35 and 40 in six years at Texas Tech before being dismissed in November at the completion of the season. And with him being a former quarterback at Texas Tech, Kingsbury earned attention in the coaching ranks for his prolific passing attacks. He coached Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who's considered by many to be the front runner for NFL MVP after throwing for 5,097 yards and 50 touchdowns this season. He's also worked with Baker Mayfield, and that's a little bit of an awkward situation because, in fact, he didn't give him an opportunity to play at Tech, which is what led Mayfield to walk on at Oklahoma. And so now Kingsbury, who's got a reputation of being an offensive guru, he's not going to be tasked with reviving an offense that ranked last in total offense, averaging 241.6 yards per game, last in passing, which averaged 157.7 yards per game, and last in scoring at 14.1 points per game. It was Josh Rosen under center, the rookie signal caller, after that short Sam Bradford experiment. And then good news for Kingsbury and the Cardinals was that Larry Fitzgerald signed a one-year contract and will return for his 16th NFL season. So that only helps a young signal caller like Rosen to continue his development. Rosen completed 55.2% of his passes while posting an 11-14 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Now here's where it gets a little bit interesting and juicy because we've seen a video and of course all the media outlets released it when Kingsbury was named head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and it was Kingsbury talking about Kyler Murray and how big of a fan he was of his playing style and how he believed that Murray deserved to be the top pick in the NFL draft. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The Cardinals do have the number one overall pick of the 2019 NFL draft. Therefore, there have been a lot of rumors and speculation about Kingsbury potentially trading Rosen to the highest bidder and then drafting Kyler Murray first overall. And so there's been some high-ranking team sources there in Arizona that have said that report is completely inaccurate the team is committed to Josh Rosen. Kingsbury is committed to working with Josh Rosen. 
But you just never know. Crazier things have happened in the NFL. Because what happens if Kingsbury says, you know what? Murray is the guy that I believe in. And he's the guy that I feel can help us turn things around here in Arizona. Then what? Right? You already saw how quick the Cardinals were to offer him their head coaching job. So you know they have an affinity for Kingsbury. They respect his opinion. And if he can convince them that Kyler Murray is the better fit for his offense, then we could see a major shakeup in the quarterback market as we prepare for the 2019 season. Now, Kingsbury is being sure of bringing in some veteran, strong-minded coordinators to help him establish a system at the NFL level as they hired Vance Joseph, the former Broncos head coach, as the defensive coordinator, and recently hired Tom Clements as offensive coordinator. Clements worked for Green Bay for a long time and was, of course, around Rodgers and a lot of other top quarterbacks. And so Kingsbury is hoping that Clements can bring some veteranship and leadership to their quarterback's room. Now, of course, Kingsbury will still call the plays for Arizona moving forward. But from this angle, right, looking at the higher well, I know a lot of people were upset. How can a, a college coach that couldn't win at that level make this big of a jump to the NFL? But if you look at the landscape of the NFC West, you see Sean McVay with the Rams. Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers. And then, of course, you got Pete Carroll, right, in Seattle, who's an older coach. But you get what I mean. In order to compete in that division, you better have an offense that can hang 30 to 40 points on any given Sunday. Because if you don't, good luck trying to beat Jared Goff. Good luck trying to beat Jimmy Garoppolo once he gets back to full health. Good luck trying to outscore Russell Wilson, right? And so Arizona, they knew... Right from the get-go that they needed an offensive coach that can come in, establish a high-potent offense, and that's the way, in their eyes, they believe they can rise to the top of the division, and not only that, but push for a playoff spot if they follow that philosophy. And to them, Kingsbury was certainly the right fit, and they went ahead and pulled the trigger pretty quick on making him their head man. Now the next hiring here is Adam Gay, so I did promise I was going to talk about him because well, I really had no choice, right? Because the Jets made him their new head coach, and it looks like right now Gase's staff is finalized. He brought in Greg Williams, the former D.C. and interim head coach from the Cleveland Browns, and then he's expected to hire Dole Logans as offensive coordinator who will join him from Miami. Now the Jets went 4-12 in 2018. And they're hoping that a young head coach, Gase, who's 40 years old, so not quite the youngest in this year's head coaching cycle, but everybody looks back to the time he served as offensive coordinator with the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears before he got the head coaching job with the Dolphins in 2016. Gase led the team to a 10-6 record and a playoff appearance in his first year in Miami but tallied just 15 total wins over the next two seasons. Now, he's always been hailed as an offensive mastermind, but the Dolphins never finished better than 17th in scoring or 24th in yards during his three-year tenure. And a lot of it had to do with instability at the quarterback position as Ryan Tannehill played in only 24 of 48 games due to injuries. And after a 3-0 start to this season, the Dolphins stumbled to a 7-9 record due in large part 
to that offense that ranked 31st in yards. Now, I get it. Brock Osweiler started, was it, five, six games for Miami while Tannehill dealt with that AC joint sprain. And so you can only put so much blame on Gase when you don't have the quarterback to go with the system. And this is a guy that got rave reviews from Peyton Manning when he was in Denver and they won that Super Bowl. That's where Gase was on staff as the offensive coordinator. He actually called Christopher Johnson, the CEO there in New York, and said, hey, Gase is a guy that I feel can really help Sam Darnold in his development. And of course, you better believe that played a big influence on the Jets' decision to go with Adam Gase. He's now going to work with Darnold, trying to help New York snap an eight-year postseason drought. And here's what Johnson had to say at the introductory press conference on Adam Gase. Open quote, Adam is a young creative mind, but he also has 22 years of coaching experience. He is an innovator whose paths saw him succeed at both the college and the NFL levels. He has helped a number of different quarterbacks at various stages of their careers reach new heights. We think Sam will continue to develop under his tutelage, but we made the decision because of Adam's vision for the entire football team. So that was Johnson talking about Gase. And then you got Darnold, right, who also spoke highly of Gase during the interview process as he said that he's really pumped uh, to have that type of young head coach around him, looks forward to working with him. And so when you're the Jets, again, you look at that AFC East, you know right now the New England Patriots are still the top dogs. And every year we sit around wondering when they're going to fall off, but it just seems like Brady is not aging anytime soon. He looks to be well on his way to playing into his mid-40s. Bill Belichick is still there. And so you also look at Miami, right? Gase's former team. They're going to hire a brand new coach. They know rebuilding is ahead of them. And the Buffalo Bills with Sean McDermott. They finally landed their quarterback of the future and Josh Allen. So the Jets know that they have a little window to at least come in in second behind the New England Patriots. They feel like they have a win-now team. They just needed an offensive-minded coach that can really bring... Darnold up to a new level in 2019 and beyond. And then, of course, the Jets are going to have a lot of money to spend in free agency. So you better believe they're going to dish out some money to some top impending free agents to add to a young nucleus on defense that already has anchors such as Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams, Darren Lee, Tremaine Johnson. So this team, I feel like, has a shot to get some winning done, but now this is Adam Gase's true test. You can no longer cover for him about Miami's quarterback situation. Now you got a young gun in Sam Darnold, who boy, he showed some flashes toward the end of this regular season that he can be something special. So everything is set out in front of him. He's going to have the team to work with. He's going to have the money to spend, and he's also going to have the support of those around him So this is the ultimate test for a guy like Adam Gase. And if he's unable to find success in the Big Apple, you better believe that they're going to push early and often to get him out of that position. Because as we all know, New York is one of the harshest sports markets. So Adam Gase better be ready to deal with that pressure as well as face his former team twice a year. Now to the next hiring here, it's 
Freddie Kitchens to the Cleveland Browns. This one really was not expected from a lot of different people. If Cleveland was going to hire somebody internally, the expectation was that it was going to be Greg Williams. Just based off the success he had in turning things around after they fired Hugh Jackson, Cleveland ended up finishing the season 7-8-1. and one. And of course, in the process of Hugh Jackson's firing, Kitchens was promoted to interim offensive coordinator. And clearly, he made a strong enough impression during the season and in his interview that John Dorsey, the GM, felt comfortable going with Kitchens and promoting him to become the full-time head coach. Now, there was also a lot of reports being put out there by the Cleveland Plain dealer that Baker Mayfield had a pretty heavy input as to who he felt would be the best head coach for the development of him and their young roster. And as you can imagine, he put in a strong vote of confidence for Freddie Kitchens. So, you know what? A lot of people were not happy with this move. They critiqued it. They laughed at it. But for me, I feel like this is probably one of the best hirings of this coaching cycle. Freddie Kitchens, this guy is not known by a lot of people, right? But we all saw what he could do when given the reins of authority on the offensive side of the ball. And at this point, we already know that the NFL continues to trend into a pass-heavy league a league full of top flight offenses as we saw at the final four teams this year. You had the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Rams, and the Saints, which all ranked in the top four in total offense and yards per game. So you get the drift, right? And I think the Browns understood that. Kitchens, who's 44 years old, he was already generating a lot of interest from other teams who wanted to interview him for offensive coordinator openings. However, Cleveland turned those down because they were in the process of interviewing them. But under Kitchen's direction, Mayfield completed 180 of his 263 attempts, which was 68.4% for 2,254 yards and 19 touchdowns to just eight interceptions. Mayfield averaged 282 yards and 2.375 touchdowns per game with Kitchen's calling the plays. And here's also this. Mayfield broke the NFL rookie record with his 27th touchdown pass of the season with 324 to play in regulation of their 26-24 loss to the Ravens in an AFC North Division clash in Baltimore there in late December. And in addition to getting solid play from Mayfield, Kitchens figured out how to more effectively feature rookie running back Nick Chubb Used sparingly by former offensive coordinator Todd Haley over the first half of the season, you saw there was some growing frustration, but once Kitchens took over, Chubb rushed for 788 of his season total of 996 yards and five of his eight touchdowns on 140 carries under Kitchens. After the changes in the coaching staff, Chubb averaged 5.63 yards per carry and became a contributing member in the passing game as well as he turned 18 catches into 139 yards and two touchdowns over the second half of the 2018 season. Mayfield, the number one overall pick when John Dorsey took him, he knew he needed to have somebody that can keep consistency, especially knowing that his numbers drastically improved with Kitchens on staff with a larger voice in the film room in their game planning sessions. 
So I feel like this was the right move 100% for the Cleveland Browns, which is a team that is on the rise. And I think they're very close to getting into the playoffs. It's too early to see what the 2019 season landscape is going to look like as we still have the draft and free agency. But sitting here right now on January 23rd, I'm pretty confident that Cleveland can push for at least a wild card spot next season just because of the talent they have on both sides. Now they get a guy like Freddie Kitchens who's loved in the locker room by members of both the offense and the defense. He's a unique person as you could tell in his press conference. I showed it at the very beginning of today's episode where he just simply doesn't care what anybody else has to say. He's just focused on the job and the task at hand and that's what makes him a blue collar head coach. I think Cleveland is going to see positive results with him at the helm now a couple more hirings here and these are the older guys but that does not make me believe that they were bad hires in fact i think these were good hires as well the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hired Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles to become DC and Byron Leftwich as offensive coordinator so he's getting the band back together which was the same trio that was in Arizona during his time with the Cardinals the Buccaneers are 5 and 11 last season and Arians who retired after the 2017 campaign spent the 2018 season working as a game analyst for CBS and he was technically under contract with the Cardinals through the 2019 season and in result both the Buccaneers and Cardinals worked out a deal so that was figured out but Arians who served as Arizona's head man from 2013 through 2017 Accumulated a 50-32-1 record with playoffs included, which was the best in Cardinals franchise history despite inheriting a team that went 5-11 under predecessor Ken Wisenhunt the season before he arrived. He was twice named the AP NFL Coach of the Year in 2012 and 2014, becoming the 11th coach to earn the award two times and the first interim coach to win the award. In 2012, he stepped in for Chuck Pagano. That's when he won the award and guided the Colts to an 11-5 record. Arians went 9-3 and and led the team to a playoff berth in his first season in Arizona in 2013. He took the Cardinals to a 10-6 record just the second time in the franchise's 37 years that he had won 10 or more games. So this guy has quite the strong resume. He is respected in the NFL by many executives. He had a strong relationship with Jason Like, which is what really led him to consider the job because he said multiple times that he would only come out of retirement for the Cleveland Browns head coaching job. But I really like the intrigue with Arians in Tampa Bay. This is a loaded roster that's full of impact playmakers on offense and on defense. But the biggest storyline there is Jameis Winston and how Arians is going to positively impact the trajectory of his career. As we all know, Winston was suspended the first three games of the regular season. He came in. He was in and out of the lineup. Dirk Cutter couldn't make up his mind about if he wanted Ryan Fitzpatrick to play or Winston to play. That was just a bad situation all around. But Arians, his voice is support for the former number one overall pick. He looks forward to working with Winston. And I personally believe that Arians is going to bring the best out of Winston. And it would not surprise me to see Winston finish in the top six or top five. You heard it here first. 
and passing yards next season because we all know that Winston can just air it out on any given Sunday and go for 350 yards and four touchdowns, but it's his decision-making that always comes back to hurt him, and that is his Achilles heel bottom line. But with a guy like Arians that's going to have an entire offseason to work with him, get him right both mentally and physically as a leader, and then Bowles taking over a Bucks defense that dealt with a lot of injuries but has a lot of top players, Levante, David, Quan Alexander. Now we know Gerald McCoy's future in Tampa Bay is uncertain, right? But there's still plenty of other top flight players that are continuing to develop. Justin Evans at safety, Vernon Hargraves at corner who missed most of the season to a season-ending shoulder injury. So the talent is there. They're going to have some money in free agency. Then look at the edge rush. Jason Pierre-Paul, Vinny Curry, Vita Vea, Bo Allen. So I think they have what it takes to become an instant contender next year in the NFC South. I wouldn't put it past them to get 10 wins in Arians' first year there in Tampa. So I really like that hire. And to close out the coaching cycle It was Vic Vangio heading to Denver. The finalists for that job were Vangio and Steelers offensive line coach Mike Munchak, who, by the way, ended up joining the Broncos staff as their offensive line coach due to family ties in the Denver area. So Denver ended up getting both of them, which was a pretty unique situation. Vangio has already hired Rick Scangarello to become his offensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers. And he's bringing an old buddy, Ed Donatel, to become his defensive coordinator. Now, Vangio will call the plays on defense. He's taking over a Denver team that finished the 2018 season with a 6-10 record. But Vic Vangio, this is a guy that Chicago did not want to lose. You look at the Bears fan base, they were very upset when Vangio departed the team to take a head coaching gig in Denver. Now, not upset that Vangio, they were, I think, happy that he's getting a shot at being a head man, but losing a guy like him to a defense that just played incredible in 2018 was certainly a big blow to the Windy City. Vangio, he has 32 seasons of NFL experience, 19 of which came as a defensive coordinator. Now he finally gets his crack at being a head coach for the first time in his journeyed career. He helped Chicago's defense put out insane numbers under his direction. The Bears finished the season ranked first in scoring defense, allowing just 17.7 points per game, and also led the league in a number of other metrics, including takeaways, rushing yards allowed per game, and yards per play allowed. Fangio helped spur four of his players, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, and Eddie Jackson, to Pro Bowl nods. Mac Fuller and Jackson were also named to first team all pro selections. Now Vangio is going to take over in Denver where he's going to try to replicate his success with the core of defensive players that includes Von Miller, Chris Harris Jr., and the explosive rookie edge rusher Bradley Chubb, which is not a rookie anymore. He'll be entering his second year. But the Broncos, when they won the Super Bowl, they had the DNA and structure of being a dominant defense, which is really what led Elway to go chasing a guy like Vangio. He said all along that he wanted a head coach that specialized on one side of the ball, and he would bring in a coordinator that could help counter that, which they believe Scangarello can come in and do that, coming from San Francisco, working with Nick Mullins. And we saw the success he had being third, fourth quarterback on the depth chart, and he rose to the occasion, and a lot of that had to do with Scangarello. And 
his direction. And so, of course, Denver still has a lot of questions to sort out, especially at the quarterback position and what the future holds for Case Keenum. I know Von Miller has been very outspoken about working with him. I think this was the right move for Denver at this point in time. Continue to build on what their strength is already at, which is on defense. Continue to replenish and free agency into the draft. And then on offense, hit on that young signal caller. They passed up one last year, but there's a lot of buzz about their interest in Drew Locke this year. So who knows? If they can find a franchise quarterback, they already have a lot of weapons on offense that they acquired in 2018 with Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Jake Butt, who missed most of the season with the 20 ACL, and a pretty solid offensive line to go with that. So Denver... They may not be too far off from competing for a playoff spot as many people may expect. So Vangio, he certainly is going to get an opportunity. And I feel like for Denver Broncos, you should be content with this move. This is a guy that knows how to shut down some of the top offenses in the NFL, which bodes well because it's a unique approach for Elway to go after a veteran defensive-minded coach while everybody else is going the Sean McVay route hiring these young offensive-minded coaches, but the Broncos are hoping that their gamble going at the old traditional route will help them find success in the long run. So there you have it. There's a recap of all the head coaching hires in the NFL. A couple of thoughts to go along with them. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the Pro Football Chase podcast today. I'll be back here on Friday to preview the Senior Bowl, talk about some of the top prospects, get into a little bit of draft talk as I know that process gets underway but until then have a great rest of the day and God bless sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for $90 more I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just $300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.